Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Pastor, what do you mean about that? Well, it's self-love, it's self-desires, it's self-exaltation. The world says to love ourselves. You be number one because nobody else is going to care about you. The Bible says, no, 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 put others first. That's totally different. He says, quit living for self, quit making yourself number one, and make God number one. You see, to follow Jesus, I have to unfollow myself. Everything around us invites us to seek our own self-interest first. There's even a magazine titled Self, Me, Mine, Not You or Yours. As followers of Christ, however, we are supposed to be patterning our lives after how Jesus lived. Pastor Mark will be teaching from Luke, walking us through the day-to-day life that Jesus lived. We will be told about things that could keep us from obeying God more completely. He will tell us about the benefits of putting Jesus first, to following God and serving others, and how our lives will be more rewarding than we thought they could be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part three of his message, God's Solutions for Our Excuses. Most people come to Christ because a personal invite. Now, here's something. Many of us use excuses not to do what you just saw you're made to do. Look at the excuse. The first excuse is fear. Well, Pastor Mark, if I share with somebody, I mean, that's for you. That's not for me. They might reject me. Hello. What did we see in the first group of people? They all rejected them. It's normal. It's going to happen to you. But many won't reject you. Second, Pastor Mark, I don't know enough. Now, this parable doesn't say, go and tell the people who the Antichrist is. No, he says, go and share the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected. He's in heaven. That's the way to God. That's the gospel. And number three, well, Pastor Mark, do you realize what time it is? You're only a week away from the holidays, from Christmas. I don't have time. Did you notice the word that God used? Compel them to come in. Urge them. Not bold. It was an urgency. Our world is plummeting to hell without God. This is a great time for you. So let me just challenge you. Christmas is an incredible opportunity for all of us. Most people will go to church at least at Christmas. So let me just challenge you. Get involved with one of the outreaches where you're wrapping gifts and whatever. Get involved sharing just a personal thing. Just pray. And let's see. Remember, we're going to have four Christmas Eve services 
And then on Sunday, we will have one service on Christmas Day, which is Sunday. A lot of people won't come because they went to the Christmas Eve, but we'll have one service. That's who you can invite. People will come during that time. Let's pray about it. Let's be there. Now, understand, here's what I want you to write. And this is for every single Christian. Look at this. The solution, no excuses, V-I-O. Go and invite everyone you can find. Don't be weird about it. Just go and invite them. You're not going to stand in line at Publix and say to a person, well, my pastor said I have to invite you. Before you get your money out to pay the bill, let me go through the five spiritual laws with you. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, let me go to some other church, not this church. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Now, watch this. Large crowds, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, look at me. Jesus knew why most of these people were following him. And that was because he did miracles, he provided food, in the excitement of being in a large crowd. But he's going to turn to them, and he's going to say at the end, if you have an ear, listen up. He's going to talk about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Let me just refer, I'll give you a little summary. When you became a Christian... It's called conversion. You converted from being a non-believer to a believer. That is by faith. It's free. It's absolutely just the start. The next step is a disciple. And you're going to see what that is. A disciple is simply this. A lifelong learner of being like Jesus under discipline. Because when he begins to outline what a disciple is going to have to do, most of these people are going to go, I'm out of here. I just came for this free salvation and the ride. I'm not really interested in that. And he's going to address it. So I'm not doing this. Jesus is doing this. Look at verse 26. Difficult verse. But I'll explain it to you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, Children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now circle that word hate. As you say, I'm to turn to my spouse, I hate you. No, the word hate is simply means this, love less. It's less priority. Now, let me show you what that's like. What Jesus is going to say, you already know. He's trying to say this. In our lives as a Christian, especially as we move to discipleship, who should be first in our lives? God. So here's God. And we respond to God because he's first. Ten commandments. First commandment. Have no other gods before you. So we respond. And what he's saying is there. If our relationships, husband, wife, brother, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend, if they become this, it won't work. You've made the wrong choice. The priority is God first. You got it? So he's not saying, well, I hate you, kid. I wanted to say that my whole life. I just hate you. (laughs) Of course not. We're told to what? Love one another. So understand what he's saying here. Now, here, I want you to write this. This is the essence of discipleship. If you want to know what it means to be a disciple, here's what happens in discipleship. It's about priority. It's about the word commitment. And commitment and discipline go together. See, we don't like that word discipline. A lifelong learner under discipline. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, yes, they are. God is. He's doing it right here. 
So it's commitment, priority, and of course, God first. So the first thing, the first excuse, Jesus says this. Watch me. This is very important. You cannot use your family or friends as an excuse not to follow me. To be my disciple and not put Jesus first. You can't put somebody else first. And so here's the way that works. Some people refuse to become a Christian even because of a relationship. They won't put Jesus first. They won't come to salvation because of a wife, a husband, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or just a good friend. Pastor Mark, I can't can't really become a Christian. My friends will laugh me out of the university. Don't worry about your friends. Who cares what your friends think? You want to know what God thinks. And so understand, boyfriend and girlfriend, that happens often. And they'll say, well, I can't come because my boyfriend will stop, drop me, and my girlfriend will drop me. Let me just tell you something my dad told me many years ago. I thought it was stupid. I was a teenager. I thought, Dad, you're crazy. But I soon learned he was spot on. My dad told me this. If you never date an unbeliever, you will never marry an unbeliever. Just put that in your thoughts for a while. What does that mean? I've had many people come to me after they were married. They married an unbeliever. Years later, one, two, three, many people over the last 40-some years in ministry who are now divorced and say, Pastor Mark, I wish I'd listened to you. It looks so good, but that person wasn't committed to Christ. They only wanted to marry me. Careful. See, that individual, that relationship could keep you out of heaven. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, when we put Jesus first, let me share with you something. This is incredible. When you put Jesus first, all other relationships get better. I think this is so powerful. If Jesus is first, I'll be a better husband. Uh, you'll be a better wife, a parent, children, and friends. Why? Because the Bible tells us how to do this. Do you understand? If I follow the scripture, which a disciple does, I'm going to be a better husband. Now, if you've been married mm, three or four days, you're brand new newlyweds. You've already had a fight. I know that for truth, and so do you. And if you've been married more than that, you've had many fights. What does the Bible say about letting the sun go down on our wrath and anger? Well, if I obey that, if I obey God, is my marriage going to be better? Yes, it is. Now, why does God say don't go to bed angry? Because he knows you're going to get a no night's sleep. And the other thing is you're going to be laying so far on that side of the bed and they're so far on that side of the bed, one of you during the night could turn over and end up on the floor. And that's going to cause more anger. But see, if I do it God's way, I'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better child. All of that happens. So don't doubt God's principles. They're powerful. Now, look at the second excuse. Then Jesus says, well, you can't use yourself as an excuse not to put Jesus first. I want you to answer this question. Who's the number one person that's a problem in your life? Just tuck your finger like this, put it up here, just, and tell me who's the number one person that causes you more trouble than anyone else? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly. Don't try to do your wife. You're going to need marriage counseling. I already told you I don't have time. 
The number one. Pastor, what do you mean about that? Well, it's self-love, it's self-desires, it's self-exaltation. The world says to love ourselves. You be number one because nobody else is going to care about you. The Bible says, no, no, no. Put others first. That's totally different. He says, quit living for self. Quit making yourself number one and make God number one. You see, to follow Jesus, I have to unfollow myself. Pastor Mark, I'm pretty close to Jesus, so I kind of know it. When I need him, I'll ask him. No, it doesn't work that way. You and I need God all the time. So you have to put him first. Now, verse 27 is an interesting verse. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, look at these words, cannot be my disciple. Pastor Mark, what in the world does that mean? Very simple. The cross symbolized death. Now understand what this means. Taking up our cross simply means to die to who? Me. Taking up our cross speaks of dying to ourselves and wanting God's will more than our own. Well, what does that look like? Well, let me show you. Very simple. When Jesus talks about the cross, and you and I, it's very simple. Here's God's will, what God wants for us. Here's my will. Here's my will. There's the cross. I'll use Jesus as an example. When Jesus came to the garden just before he go to the cross, what did Jesus say to the Father? He said, if it's your will, is there another way not to go to the cross? Remember? He said, if I can get out of going to the cross and provide what you want me to do, is there a way to do it? And what did God say? No. So here's the cross. When you put God first, it's my will, but God's will always wins. And where did Jesus go? To the cross. So that's all it means. It's God's will wins against my will. It's putting God first. Now, so what does that mean? Here's the solution. Simple. To be a disciple, I have to continue to put Jesus first. Now, next, Jesus gives us two illustrations about stopping and thinking about the cost of following him. Anytime we think about cost, it means if I'm going to build something, I sit down and figure out some things and watch how this works. It's very common to you and me. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Well, the answer to that is, of course. If you lay a foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build And wasn't able to finish. Now, in our lives, in this parable, are the building. We are the temple of God. And so what Jesus says, nobody builds a building without knowing the cost and the building to finish it. So what does he mean? He said, I need to say, can I put God first? It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me. I have to put God first. If I don't, I'll never complete that discipleship. And my life will look like the world. And people will laugh at me. Well, you know, that guy calls himself a Christian. He lives just like us. What a joke. And it makes God look bad. It just makes God look bad. Well, look at the second one. Verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. So nobody goes to war, I mean, it's common sense, without sitting down and saying, can we win the war? 
So a person should consider becoming a disciple. You would never make the decision, I'm going to be a disciple without knowing the cost. Now this, Jesus says, listen, following me will cost you. So sit down and see if you can afford it. Pastor Mark, what do you mean it will cost me? Well, my will is always superseded by God's will. Sometimes we won't like that. doesn't matter. I submit in authority, in principle, to God. Now, the next verse may be the most difficult verse in all the Bible, but I'll explain it to you. It makes sense when it gets there. In the same way, Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So what is Jesus saying? We're all going to go to Tibet, get in a mountaintop thing. And as we get there, we get as many people around us as we can. And for the rest of our life, we just, mm, boy, you need to change clothes. This is the only clothes I have. Mm. Is that what God's saying? Last night I talked about this. Is he saying when you go home and you heard this, I got to give up everything. So you get one of those pods in your front yard. And I couldn't remember the name last night. So I just said to the people, what is the name? And they kept yelling out all together. I thought they said pot. And I said, you're exactly right. Christians should give up pot for sure. You know, we just came back from Denver. Lord, help us out there. I mean... But let's say you put a pot in your front yard and you put all your furniture in that and your neighbor walks by. Are you guys moving? No, we just gave up everything for Jesus. Would you like to come to church and hear about that? How many think you're going to get a yes? No, that's not what he means at all. What he means is nothing can be ahead of God. Understand it. He's not saying I, I'm, I have to be first in your life. God loves By the way, that's totally opposite. Giving up everything we have? No, what's the Bible say? God loves to give good gifts to all his children. Are we a blessed people or what? The song we sang today is a song that really speaks to my heart. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Wow. Is God good or what? So don't get the wrong. Jesus is saying you need need to trust me. And whatever you need in your life, I'll provide for you. That's Matthew 6. Put God first and everything else comes. He wants to bless us. He wants to use us. And understand, handling the material things of life, just do it kind of loosely. It's not about that kind of stuff. Learn to be content. Now, here's what I want you to write. You won't like it, but it's true. Here it is. Here's an excuse for not becoming a Christ follower. It will cost me. You see, some churches will never tell you that will cost you. We don't do that when people become converts. We do that as they begin to grow to become like Jesus. That's the step of discipleship. That's what Jesus says. If you're going to be my disciple, disciple, not convert, this is what you're going to have to do. Think about this. Here's the solution. Let's read it together under solution. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes, it will cost you, but it will cost you more not. To follow Jesus. See, you have to understand. Anything you do in life is going to cost you. So it's going to cost me. It's going to cost putting God first and me second. But if I don't put God first, it's going to cost you eternity 
Don't make an excuse. Well, I'm not coming to Christ. That discipleship stuff, that's Old Testament stuff. No, this is pure New Testament stuff. This is following him. Now look at verse 34. He ends with something that you're familiar with. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Even though it's mixed with dirt, impurities. It is neither fit for the soil nor the manure pile. It's simply thrown out. Whoever has ears, here we go, to hear, let him hear. So remember, people are watching our lives. We are called to be the salt of the earth. In other words, as people watch our life, we give a flavor of what it means to be a Christ follower. Oh, not perfect, of course. But the joy, all of us experience death and we experience sickness and all kinds of tragedies and being out of work. Every person experiences all those things. But we have God with us. He helps us get us through those kind of things. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's a very present help in time of trouble. But the world doesn't have God. So they try to get through them together. So understand this. Look at this statement. This is such a powerful statement. Salt gives flavor to things And spiritually, salt makes people thirsty for God. You see, when they see our life and they say, you just got laid off and now one of your kids is going to have surgery and you have no one. How in the world are you going to get through that? When they see us trust God, not knowing how it's going to work out, because we know that all things eventually work out together for good. God will take the mess and he'll make it right. And they look at us and they just basically say this, I want what you have, knowing that we struggle just like anybody else, but we have God. But now if I'm going through those things and I've lost my character and my conduct, and it doesn't represent Christ anymore, like salt was, and I'm not living by biblical principles, then our witness to the world is useless. There's no impact because they're not interested in us. So I just want to say to you, thank you for being people of godly character. Thank you for being salt. And as Matthew says, light to a dark world. Do you know that most of the people that you're around, that I'm around, neighborhood, work, all kinds of places, they have no clue about what I just talked today. They have no clue about becoming a Christian. They don't understand discipleship. They don't know that the invitation has been given by God that he doesn't want anybody to perish. They're clueless. I don't mean that in a bad way. They're simply clueless. So we're here to explain to them, there is a way you can have all your sins forgiven and you can get a brand new start. No physical, mental doctor can give a brand new start. Only Jesus. He can take whatever mess you've had and he makes it brand new. And then he comes and lives in us. And we just begin. And you have to do that by what? Counting the cost. Will it cost you to become a Christian? Absolutely. Is it worth it? 1,000% it's worth it. There's no lifestyle better than serving Jesus Christ. Thanks for being followers of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. It's such a different way of thinking. Put aside thoughts of getting what I want first and my life will be more satisfying than my plans would be. Pastor Mark has certainly given us food for thought It's clear from the stories in the Bible that most people that chose to follow God had tough lives, but they ended up with more rewarding lives than they could have imagined. 
Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. On the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will begin a new message. He will be continuing through the book of Luke as Jesus' date with torture and crucifixion approaches. Pastor Mark will be sharing from Jesus' teaching as he speaks to the lost of Israel about being lost. We'll be told about how much he values each person individually, which includes us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.